Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here for a More Than Mom Sunday with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hi, Sarah. How you doing? I'm good. So new listeners, More Than Mom episodes every other Sunday are our chance to talk about something totally not motherhood and parenting related. And today we're going really off the grid. Megan, we're going to talk about your camping adventures. And I have so many questions. I am not experienced in this. Was it an intentional pun? We're going off the grid. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're trekking. We're <laughs> okay. going on an adventure. Okay, Thank you. Thank you. I love it. Keep them coming. Um, yeah. And this is something that, you know, I actually didn't camp a whole lot growing up, but it was part of my, you know, occasional growing up experience. And then I really, really wanted to be like a super outdoorsy camping family when my kids were little. And I would say we made some attempts. Um, but after Will, Will was the one who would bolt uh, away from the campsite in the pitch black and we'd had to keep him in his car seat the entire time Uh because otherwise he would just run away and then it stopped being fun. And so then we didn't really start going again until my kids were a lot older. And then I've more recently started embracing going on my own, um, doing more rustic camping, some backpacking camping, things like that. So, and now, you know, my boyfriend and I now have this property in the upper peninsula of Michigan and we're just camping on it, which means it's rustic. We don't have any utility set up. So it's like rustic camping on our, in our own park, um, which is kind of cool. So now I've got like a whole different experience going with that. So having a lot of fun. Well, I am going to have a lot of questions and I'm laughing when you were talking about Will, because Will is your third child. I stopped at three children, but we all know what I got for my third child. And we attempted camping with kids exactly once when Violet was two and a half. So the other kids were like, uh, five and seven. So the other two kids were a great age and Violet was two and a half and she ran around the tent with us in the night. Like, like she had (laughs) never slept out of a crib because she was still in a crib at home. And, um, we pulled out iPads in the middle of the night. Like we, we, it was a total fail. 
Um, but I, like you, I grew up camping as a kid occasionally enough that I have some memories. And then actually in high school, camping was a pretty big part of like teenage culture around here. So kids would go camping in groups or someone might have a camping sleepover birthday party. So I, mm-hmm. I also camped quite a bit and then just totally dropped off living in a big city and traveling and living in Arizona. We never got into it there. And I really had aspirations of being a camping family, exactly like you said, And now my kids are, you know, eight, 11 and 13. And I don't know. I don't think, honestly, they super want to become a camping family. But I also don't (laughs) want to just say that we've missed our I don't think we've missed our chance. But I'm what I'm going to be looking for today is like, what's just the what's the right type of camping for us? And like, what might I be able to look forward to? So when you're talking about things like rustic camping, I don't like I don't even know the difference. So we're going to get into some definitions You've like made some cool purchases. So we're going to talk about yeah. some like products and gear. And I also have to say as a Californian, um, we're entering like what I think of as like non-touristy season. Now that it's like late September going into the fall, the weather will be beautiful um, as long as fires stay away from us. So like people in my part of the country have lots of opportunities for camping you know, all the way up through until the rains really start. Um, and you're probably kind of closing down your season too. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. There are people who are more hardcore. Like I might squeeze in one more trip. Um, and some, there's something great about like, you know, Midwest fall camping. It's like the weather is nice and cool. There's usually not bugs. Um, but there are people who camp like legit winter camping, the kids and their dad have done that a few times together. Um, and they go out with like winter gear on and like, I don't wow. know if they sleep in their snowsuits. I really don't like sometimes it's quite cold. Um, I have not done a legit winter camp, but it is something like maybe, am I interested? I don't know. I've got this property to go to now. So maybe we'll see. Right. Um, yeah. I know it just enough to be curious in, in yeah. that regard, but you're right. Like it really can be an almost year round thing for a lot of people. And it's a great time of year. If you want to like start in the spring, this is a great time of year to start looking at stuff, equipment, yeah. putting it on your holiday shopping list, shop, um, shopping clearance, um, sales and things, end of season sales. So it'll be fun. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code MOMHOUR50 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. 
They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, Megan, well, let's start with some of these definitions. I have to admit, I now I can say the word or the term car camping and kind of know what that means, but I think the kind of camping I envisioned my whole life was car camping, meaning like you drive your car, you park in a um, reserved or like a campsite that's yours for the night and you put up a tent. That was my, and you had a picnic table and like a little fire pit was there sometimes. And there was like a park ranger or some kind of like badge you got for your car. I guess that's called car camping. Yes. Yes. But I just, I mean, I've been doing that my whole life and I just learned that like two years ago. And just as an aside, we have a blog post up on the momhour.com um, written by one of our contributors about taking kids car camping. And even when I read that title, it took me a second to go, wait, she doesn't mean sleeping in the car. So I just learned this like three years ago. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's like regional that people just call it car camping here. I think people just call that camping. <laughs> okay. Me too. I'm so glad okay. you said that. And I'm sure right. we'll hear from listeners. I do wonder, so my best friend from high school, Sarah's really, they have a camper and I think people who have a camper use that term, or that's what I've heard. I'm not going to generalize the whole population, but when I've heard it used, it's to distinguish between people who are taking their RV or their camper out on the road versus when they don't, and they just take their tent in their car. But that was the first time I heard it was also a couple of years ago. And I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's new and maybe it is because there are all these other types of camping. Including that's RV what, that's and, what I think yeah. is happening. So what I and um, around here, I have lots of friends who have campers and travel trailers and they would just call it tent camping. Like the difference to them would be tent yes. camping, not car camping. So what I think is going on is that, um, you know, this like this outdoors lifestyle has become a huge industry. And I think it's a way for like outfitters and experts to distinguish between (laughs) camping in a tent that you put in the back of your car and camping in a tent you carried on your back for some distance. You would want a very different setup if you're going to be carrying it on your back. And like also everything about it is different. Really, if you think about like, so you're camping out, essentially out of the back of your car is what it is. So you can have all of your stuff like organized in bins. You can have it like really kind of spread out. You can bring a lot of stuff. Whereas mm-hmm. if you are like maybe doing some backcountry camping, um, you you really probably aren't gonna bring like right. As you're much. You're not gonna in. bring a griddle, yeah. <laughs> you know, and those kinds of things. So yeah, um, I find the distinctions to be sometimes a little confusing. But so yes, I think the way people use car camping and and like what I think of as campground camping are mm-hmm. sort of interchangeable. Um, you're sleeping in a tent in some kind of campground situation where there are facilities, typically um, someone watching you, <laughs> you know, like like a ranger or some kind yep. of like an overseer and you paid for your spot. 
and you parked your car there. Um, rustic campground camping and backcountry camping can become a little more confusing because like there are campgrounds that are rustic because they don't really have utilities. They only have like say a vault toilet. Um, okay. what is and that? like a vault toilet is kind of like one of those permanent porta potties. Okay. It's like literally a vault. I prefer them to porta potties. They don't, they don't typically like more space inside and they often don't smell as bad. Um, in my like opinion, an outhouse, like a public outhouse. Yeah. Like an outhouse. Yep. Like an outhouse. And it's like literally just a toilet seat that goes down to a hole, which is, I think, chemically treated somehow. Um, So sometimes you'll go to a campground and there's a parking lot and you've paid to be there and you've paid for your spot. And maybe you have to hike a little bit to get to your spot. Maybe not. But the only facility is like basically an outhouse and you might or might not have any running water. You're probably not going to have electricity so sometimes you can do rustic camping in a campground where there are also non-rustic spots. It gets very confusing. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. And then backcountry camping or backpack camping um, is just when you have to, you know, carry your stuff in your backpack right. for some um, for some distance. Um, mm-hmm. And the backcountry camping that I've done, I think we only hiked a mile and a half or something like that. So it wasn't like a ridiculous amount. I wasn't doing like a like through camping or a through hike is when you're camping through a, a trail or you're hiking through a trail and you're camping along the way. Like the point right. isn't to go in and get back out. You're going all it's the your way pit through stop for the night. Right. Yeah. I have not done a through hike. Um, I'm okay. intrigued, um, but it's the kind of thing that I would like to have someone to go with me and to have just the right stuff. And I don't think I have just the right stuff just yet. Um, did you read that? Uh, is it the Cheryl Strayed Wild? Am I thinking of the right memoir? Uh, I didn't. I keep hearing about it. Yeah, I haven't read it. It's a quick read. It's a um, it's compelling. And you because she's by herself on the Pacific Crest Trail, I feel like you would like it because you've done yeah. some solo adventuring. And of course, yeah. it's like all her self-discovery and all that. Um, there's a reason it was a bestseller. And a movie, too, wasn't it? With mm-hmm. like Julia yeah. Roberts? I think it's Reese. Another thing that didn't come up in this list is like, well, we touched on RV or camper camping and you yeah. had, you had a little pop-up camper for a little while. Right. And your sister-in-law has yeah. one. And then what about glamping? And that's like big air quotes, <laughs> yes. but I would say anything where there's a structure, cause I'm yes. actually kind of intrigued by this, like where it's a little A-frame cabin or something. Yep. And like some of them, you bring your own, even your own bedding or your sleeping bag. Like it's not like a hotel. There's, it's just like a roof over your head. Do you know much about those? Oh, yeah, because I've stayed in a few of those, too. So I have a family of, well, interestingly, John and Jenna just sold their trailer, which is like the end of an era because they had a camp. They had a travel trailer, a big one, like they had two bedrooms, like they had a nice big bedroom and there was three bunks for the kids and a kitchen and a pullout, you know, sofa and all this stuff. And they had it for six or seven years. And then kind of on a whim, they just decided the kids aren't into it anymore and they're done with it. And they sold it like in a week. So it's apparently they're very hot right now. Um, I think they are. Yeah. Yeah. But we, I've done tons of camping where I would tag along with them and then I would either, yes, I did have a pop-up camper for a very brief time. I broke it extremely quickly. Um, I wouldn't do that again. I totally would get some kind of small pull behind camper, but I would want it to be hard sided. The pop-up had too many mechanicals for my ability to manage them. I'm just going to put it that way. Uh, and being a single, you know, a single mom with these little kids that I was trying to get to help me open it up, there was just too many things that could go wrong and they all went wrong and um, it's gone now. Yeah. But, <laughs> but 
but it was it was fun. The you know the few weekends we used it, and we had to piece it together with two by fours and zip ties. Um, <laughs> but so when I've gone with my family that have campers, and my brother Buck and his wife also have a small camper, and um, my sister Kathleen and her husband Eric have the thing that goes in the back of their um, truck. So they have a pickup truck, and they put a mattress in the back, and there's a tent that is made just to go on the top yes. of the truck. That's really Which I think cool. is amazing because it gets you up off the ground. You're never going to be wet, but you don't have to have a whole tow behind thing. So mm-hmm. um, I'll, t- I'll start with those because that's a whole other thing. So like when I've I've stayed in other people's travel travel trailers, I've hung out in people's like campground area. And then at the end of the night, gone to my own tent site. Um, and mm-hmm. then I've also stayed in a glamping tent, a teepee at a KOA in northern Michigan um, there was a huge storm that ripped a big hole in oh. the top of the teepee that night. And I, it was, oh my goodness, it was crazy. Um, I think that was a, like an isolated experience, but it was like the kids and I huddling under like the bunk bed. Cause there was bunks that we were under oh like on God. the bottom bunk and there's just water coming in. It was awful. Um, and then the cabins and a lot of those places now have cute cabins. They're like, there's nothing, there's, there's often not a bathroom or a kitchen or even running water inside. Um, but the one I just stayed at, uh, when I did my big family trip this year, I was in there for, I don't know, five nights and it had a bed with a, you know, a plasticky weird mattress, but a mattress right, and a table and a door that locks. Like, so you feel you're out of the weather. Um, you've got your own space and you don't have to do that thing where you stoop down every time you go in, like you do a tent. So right. it's kind of like a cross between and a lot of like KOAs and those kinds of campgrounds now are getting the more deluxe camp, uh, cabins too, where there are sometimes bathrooms and kitchens inside. So you kind of get the campground experience, but you're not really camping in my opinion. But, um, and right. then the glamping tents are just like the, like the canvas, they're like big canvas tents. Uh-huh. Uh, they usually have some kind of a bed in them too. So that's great. If you don't want to buy a lot of, like, if you don't want to buy um, cause you're not going to do it very much. Maybe you don't want to buy like the pads for the ground and sleeping bags. And you know, then you just show up with regular bedding yeah. and like stuff to live for a few days. It's kind of like staying in a hotel, but you bring your own bedding and towels. Okay. Well, this brings me to my next big question because I'm hearing you talk. And to me, one of the appeals sounds like being in nature, like being where it's kind of quiet having beautiful scenery. I love the photography. I love waking up and hearing birds, blah, 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 blah. But some of these scenarios actually sound like kind of like being in a parking lot with a lot of other people. And I would love to (laughs) hear, I know you've done both of that. Yes. And so uh, along the continuum, there's still people who do these things for fun. And I guess my question would be like, I would hope everybody that does it, does it for fun. Right. Otherwise there's really no point. Yes. No point in any yes. of this. Stay home, people. So what is fun about camping? And maybe you can kind of address like that continuum because you have done it where you wake up and there's no one for miles and, you know, yeah. it's the scenery is beautiful. And it's honestly, I see the appeal of that more, but there are more uh, conveniences and amenities. And for families, it seems like a lot of people do. And I have been tent and campground camping where I'm basically in a parking lot. And then it's like, it's not even pretty here. Why are right. like, what's fun about this? And so I need to be sold a little bit. Okay. So they are very different experiences. Um, it is not my preference to stay in the kind of campground that there are campers every 10 feet. I mean, I think people who are really into RV life and like being on the go life, there's like a whole culture around that. And, um, 
It's great for little kids because you basically show up in your house on wheels. You park it. You've got neighbors and maybe you talk to your neighbors. Maybe you don't. You can have people visit you at the campground. There's often a pool. There's often a little um, restaurant on site and things like that. So for like kind of like an inexpensive family reunion where you're it's like a little bit private, but you're you are going to hear slamming doors like you are going to hear people yelling at your kids. You are going to hear the incessant zipping and unzipping of other people's tents. Like that's just, (laughs) that's just part and parcel. And I think the reasons one does that kind is a little different than the reason one might do more like rustic camping or backcountry camping. So you're still getting to sit outside. You still get to have the fire and you roast the marshmallows and the hot dogs over it and you make the s'mores and everyone sits outside in their little folding chairs and talks. And like, it's still fun, but like, I wouldn't want to do that for more than a few days. Because I start to get, you know, it's very inconvenient and you have to walk everywhere because there's, you know, you're not just going to go, well, I'm not just going to go pee right outside my tent on the ground if there's someone in the next, you know, like in the next site over, right? I'm going to walk to the bathroom that might be a hundred yards or 200 yards, maybe further from my tent. So there's like a lot of work. And for a little while, that work is kind of fun. Like that's part of the appeal. And then you aren't into like being around a lot of other people. Um, depending also on the campground, you might have beautiful views. Like you might, there's some here, they're like nestled into wooded lots on state parks. The one Clara and I Mm -hmm. go to every year is quite nice. It's a state park and it's relatively busy, but the sites are nice and big and there's trees between. So it is like more private, but there are some where people are just right on top of each other. And that's, it's not my favorite. So that would be something I would do if there was like some other means to an end, like, uh, or if it was a means to some other end, like getting a bunch of people together or the other nice thing, the appeal about that is your kids can bring their bikes or their scooters and basically run wild for yeah. days on end. And they've got things for them to do. So there might be like a bouncy house or like a place for them to play, um, for square, whatever they're, I don't know what they're off doing. They're off making friends with other kids. So for super social kids, um, it can be really fun for them. I just don't think it's as fun for some adults who want more privacy. And then of course the, like you already said, the, the appeal to the other kind of camping where you're much more in the elements and maybe don't have any facilities at all. You, you might be peeing on the ground, um, is that you are waking up in a beautiful place. So it's like, we call all of these things camping, but they're so different. I almost don't even think of RV camping as camping. It's like, it's like you're staying in a hotel, only you brought your own room. Yeah. I think that's helpful. And it is, it's actually helpful to hear about those family-friendly amenities. I think while I have done quite a bit of state park and county park tent camping as a kid and a little bit as an adult, I don't think anywhere, the last place we went as a family had a nature center with little like either guided hikes or a thing like that. But I don't think I've ever been somewhere with a pool, a bouncy house, four square, like um, that kind of thing. So I think um, you have like, I kind of get it now. And at the mm-hmm. same time, I see the, the vast difference um, between yes. that. And you're right, like family reunions and meeting up. So I'm not definitely not knocking it. But I, I think I didn't have the full picture of <laughs> why. Like, why? Yeah. But why? yeah. <laughs> well, and you have to kind of and you have to kind of just resign yourself to whatever that new reality is. So for like days on end, you're going to be dirty. Even if you're staying in an RV, like it's really hard to hang out on a, in a campground and not wind up just filthy, um, your feet, you know, you've got your hair smoky. Like there's all these things you are going to have to like haul all your toiletries to a public restroom, unless you have an RV 
And unless you want to use that RV's bathroom, they're usually tiny. And I would rather, honestly, I mean, I had the option to use um, John and Jenna's when I stayed in it, but I would rather just walk to the nice big bathroom than cram myself into like a little airplane bathroom, essentially, is yeah. what it feels like. Um, and so anyway, there, there's you kind of have to just settle into a very different pace of living where everything takes forever. And and it's like um, there's just things you kind of can't escape from it. And then like you might have a personal tolerance that says two days of that and you're done. And maybe some people love doing it all the time. So um, I think yeah. there's also like a lot of in between, like a lot long, a large range of experience sure. there. Totally. Yeah. And you're going to eat weird food. Okay. Well, that is a, a great segue <laughs> because I, regardless of like what kind of camping and how remote you are, you're not, you don't have your kitchen and your refrigerator and your coffee maker and your electric kettle. So I'm sure this could be its own side episode, but do you want to like share some highlights of what do you eat when you're camping? You personally yeah. or people in general? So if I go to a campground that has a, an electric outlet, I absolutely do bring my electric kettle and I bring my griddle and I sometimes bring an electric cooler. Like it really just depends how long I'm going to be doing it and kind of what the food plan is. Um, and that's assuming my kids are there. Like I want to have my tea every day. If I'm, if I'm camping like in a more rustic way, I have a little, um, people call them generically a jet boil, but jet boil is actually the brand. It's like a little okay. butane lighter that boils water really fast. So I'll bring okay. that with me instead if I'm going to be completely like off the grid rustic, but I bring kind of a lot of accoutrement because I don't want to eat everything over a fire for days on end. And so yeah. if I was eating on a fire every night, I'd be having like hot dogs, hot dogs, hot dogs, more <laughs> hot dogs, I guess, brats. Um, you can take those, like those big metal, like they're cast iron square things with like, a, I don't even know what they're yes, called. They're, I know like some kind yeah. of oven thing and you can put food in those and those are fun. Or you can wrap up burritos in foil and put those on the fire. And those are fun, but those are kind of a lot of work if you don't have room to spread out. So if you have an RV or a camper and you've got nice, you know, nice um, little space where you can keep your food in the fridge and then you've got like a counter where you can prep, then it's like those things are a little easier. Or if you pre-prep everything and then bring it, you know, ready to go, you can do that. But I tend to go really simple. And honestly, if it's just me, I will eat peanut butter peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every meal. I don't care. It's kind, of, it's kind of the perfect food, really. It is the perfect food. I will have like a cooler or a bag just full of PBJs for myself and then maybe some grapes, like something easy to grab. And if it was just me, that's all I would eat. But that doesn't really work for all of my kids. So for us, it does tend to be a lot of really simple, um, like really simple food you can do over the fire and then the griddle's nice because then you can make grilled cheese sandwiches. You can do a big mess of um, the pancakes that shake up in the, you know, the little, mm -hmm. you put them in a the little bottle and pancakes and bacon and sausage, um, eggs. Like it just opens up some more options. So I actually do kind of haul more cookware than you'd think. And some people are very creative. They do tons of planning ahead of time. And I just find that just getting packed to get out the door takes me a lot of time and work. Sure. So I don't typically do a lot of food prep before we go. So uh, the first thing I want to say is I had no idea that sometimes there's an electrical hookup at campsites. So this is, I guess, how long it's been or how limited my experience is. The one time we went when Violet was two and a half, um, our friend's pickup truck, they had um, like AC power. If you turn the car on, there was an actual plug like somewhere in the 
bed of the pickup truck. So you could use his truck for power if it was on. Um, and we did that oh, okay. I don't know, to charge some devices or something. But no, I didn't know that you sometimes have electricity. That's crazy. And then the other yeah, thing, I it's was just, just like a post with like a plug. So but the thing is, though, if you're going to use that for anything that then needs to sit on something like it's awkward, you have to drag picnic t- table over to put your kettle on or to put, your, you okay. know, like it's not easy. It's not you don't get like a like a counter <laughs> and like, a you know, an outlet. It's more it's like a post with an outlet. in it. Yeah. Well, and and then the other thing I was going to say as you were talking, and I kind of want to like go back and clarify what I was saying before, like, why is this fun? I think I really do see how um, the packing and the prep and the moving your whole family away from the dynamics at home, especially if you've got kids who are really into their screens or who get really bored easily at home. um, I really can see the appeal, even at my kid's age of like, almost intentionally uprooting your family dynamics and plopping Mm -hmm. them down somewhere else. And the food was making me think of that because like, I would love the idea of making breakfast burritos ahead of time and like waking up and having that. And my kids would love that. And I love, I love picnics. Actually. I really love to pack a really good picnic. So I think I might actually enjoy the sort of, um, I don't know what you would call it. Like the, the nerdy food prep part of like, what can we bring and how can we, how can we wrap it and package it so that it tastes so good later? So I think I would like that part. Well, one thing that's really simple to do, and I'll just throw this out there, and this is something I actually have done because it's so easy, is just um, wrap and foil. Just take a like a tortilla and put black beans and some salsa in it and wrap it up. And literally, you put that on this. You put you can put that right on the um, not in the fire, but like on one of those like grill yeah. things. Yeah. Um, and it cooks up really fast. And then it's special like that. The kids might not even like that at home or they might think they don't like that at home because it's, you know, it's kind of like the punchy pies. Have you heard of those? That's the uh-huh. thing I was trying to think of the name of. Those are the um, cast iron. I think they're called punchy pie ovens or something. And you stick Wonder Bread and then some kind of topping like jelly or peanut butter and jelly or Nutella. something. What, um, or you can do I think traditionally it's like pie filling, like cherry pie okay. filling. And then another piece of bread on top and you stick that over the fire and it turns it into like this like weird pie. I'm I don't think if I served like, that. <laughs> like the Uncrustables, like the it's, little. Yes, uh, it's like an, uh, it's like a crispy, hot Uncrustable. And I don't know that if I served that to my kids at home, I think they would think I was nuts. Like, I think they would look at me like, <laughs> are you kidding me? But at, when you're camping, like disbelief is suspended a little bit and people will do things they wouldn't necessarily do at home and they'll think it's fun. Yes. So, and you're, yeah. and you're making memories. So I take yeah. everything back about like, why would we, why would we go sleep on the ground in a parking lot? I do kind of get it. So I don't know. We're halfway through this episode and I feel like I'm coming around. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. 
Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high quality and traceable key nutrients in clean bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Megan, our sponsor, Carnegie Hall Kids, is a free website for kids ages 5 to 12 to learn about music through fun games and quizzes. I'm really excited to tell everybody about their new Sites You Can Hear quiz. This is really cool. It's an online quiz you can do with your kids or they can do on their own, and it plays a piece of music, and then you guess what visual image or scene it sounds like. Our listeners may have heard the name Carnegie Hall because of their live performances, but they might not know about all the educational resources they also have for kids and families on their website. Carnegie Hall Kids ignites imagination in children, offering activities that both encourage musical curiosity and develop knowledge of musical concepts. And did we mention free? If you haven't yet, you're definitely going to want to check out Carnegie Hall Kids Interactive Musical Explorers Around the World Map. It teaches kids different musical traditions like Vietnamese folk, cumbia from Colombia, bluegrass and jazz from the U.S., and more. Start the musical journey early and go to kids.carnegiehall.org to check out fun, child-friendly games and quizzes. That's kids.carnegiehall.org. All right, Megan, I'm coming around to the idea of (laughs) camping, especially with my family. Um, But I think I'm going to ask you some questions that I think a lot of inexperienced campers have, or maybe not inexperienced, but maybe people like me who've had a little bit of experience and maybe it like it wasn't quite that fun. Like, that's kind of what I feel like. Like, yeah, it was, it was fine, but do I want to do that again? So, um, this is where you get to like, kind of tell us what you've learned about maybe the less pleasant parts of camping. So let's start with sleeping on the ground. Yeah. Um, it's honestly not my favorite thing. I I don't know. I don't feel like I'm one of those like princess and the pea types, but like, I do feel like if there's a root or a stone or a pebble anywhere, it will somehow (laughs) wind up wedged under my hip or like right in a spot on my shoulder where I can't sleep. And I'm, I, I move a lot at night. Like I sleep, I'm a side sleeper, but I don't like to sleep on one side all night. Cause I end up, you know, your hip starts to hurt. And so I switch a lot. And I think when I'm camping, I switch a lot, a lot. So depending on whether you are camping out of the back of your car or backpacking, whether you have room to bring a lot of stuff or not, there's ways to get around that. Um, if you're backpack camping, your options are a little bit limited because of course you can't like carry a big heavy air mattress or something with you, but you can get these little inflatable pads that go under your, um, they they fit so specifically under your mat or under your sleeping bag that I don't love them because then I feel like I have to stay in one position or I'll literally roll off. Like they're, Mm -hmm. they're like shaped like a mummy. (laughs) And like, if you move too much, you could roll right off, but they do make it better. Um, People have those foam ones that like roll up or like the eggshell kind that, that are like, um, accordion folds. Mm -hmm. Those depending on how soft they are can be great. And sometimes it's just like adding another hard layer. And I don't understand at all why you would even bother. Like I've slept on some foam pads that are worse than the ground in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like, no, it's not the best. I will say I can do it for a night or two and it's fine. Um, after that, I wouldn't want to much longer. And 
Also, if you do a lot of site prep, like if you get the site nice and smooth, um, if it's a softer site, because like maybe there's a sandy ground or something like mm -hmm. that. Like I've slept on the sand before. It was great. I had no problems. This year I did. Oh, one other thing. I know people who do a lot of um, tent camping out of their car. So like campground camping will swear by air mattresses. I am the biggest air mattress skeptic because I feel like <laughs> Everybody always says their air mattress is different from everybody else's. And like, no, I, no, I mean it. This one's really comfortable and it really doesn't lose air. And then I'll sleep on that air mattress and be like, I don't, does my body have tiny pins in it that is poking holes in all air mattresses? Yeah. Because I have never found an air mattress that I could stand. I would rather sleep on the floor most of the time. I'm going to, so, I'm going <laughs> to co-sign that because, okay. um, we, at the one time this, this one camping trip that I keep referring to. We did bring our air mattress and we used our friend's truck power outlet to blow it up. Um, and that air mattress was fine. But I agree with you in general, like sleeping at someone's house or not even just camping. I totally agree about air mattresses. And if you are sleeping with a partner, with another adult or a large child right. in the air mattress, I feel like it's game over. Even the best air mattress can't distribute weight right. evenly. So and if, if one of you moves the whole, like yeah. you'll fly off the other side or yeah. Yeah. Yes. A no go. Yeah. <laughs> it's a um, no Allegra, go. Allegra's school does a lot of outdoor backpacking and camping. So we have started to acquire some gear ourselves, although I, I have not personally tested it out. And she does have a little roll up mat for under her sleeping bag that inf I don't know it like inflates by itself. Is that one of the ones, yeah. you know, like yeah, you they, they do have those. Then, yep. And then it's not the shape, like it's not the mummy shape. It is a rectangle shape, but, but small. It's just big enough, like the, the, you know, the imprint of your sleeping bag. And she said the first time she used it, she didn't know how to inflate it. So she like unrolled it and laid it out, but it never did anything. And then, then she learned. So, well, and I think that, and I know we're going to dig into more generically talking about gear a little bit later. And I actually have a blog post that I can share for the show notes that I wrote on my site about, you know, choosing gear. I think that it gets very confusing because like, okay, for example, the mat that I mentioned, it's inflatable. I believe it, it, it self-inflates. If not, you could do it with like a couple puffs of air from your lungs. It's not, it doesn't take long, but, um, it's meant for backpack camping. So you, in, in that scenario, you are looking for something that is as small as possible and as light as possible. Right. Well, if you're never going to carry your stuff more than half a mile, you probably don't. I think in that case, I would choose comfort over lightweightness or right. like size. So it really depends on your needs. And I think sometimes it's like, if you go into an REI or something and you're just walking around looking at stuff, you might think, well, this one's more expensive, so it's better. Or this one is, you know, looks like it's made for everything. So it's better, but it's only better if you're going to use it that way, which leads me actually to my most recent bedding purchase. And that was, I bought a foldable mattress. Like it's a legitimate what? foam mattress. It's only three inches. So it's not like it's not like a bed mattress. I wouldn't want to sleep right. on this every night, but I used it the last time I, um, we camped in the UP on our property and it made a lot of difference. I could have slept wow. on it for quite some time and it was like $115 or something like that. I mean, it's big, it's like unwieldy. So mm -hmm. when I put it in, I have a Subaru Forester and it would take up, I would lay that down first, um, in the hatchback and it would take like the, the width of the hatchback. Right. But it, right. it try it folds accordion folds in thirds um, and it's okay. a full size. So, wow. so that's another option. So if you're only ever going to be carrying something, you know, 20 feet, you have options that you might not have if you're carrying things for miles. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Well, we have to talk about 
critters, bugs, but I guess it's not just bugs. What about like, well, all creatures, great and small. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't love bugs either. And Michigan is full of skeeters. Um, I find that if you have very strict rules about not leaving your tent unzipped, like I will deal with, I will deal with skeeters as long as they don't follow me into bed at night, you know, like around the campfire, I don't mind. And usually the campfire kind of discourages them and um, you can use bug spray and things like that. But at night, I do not want to lay there hearing the whine of mm-hmm. a mosquito in my ear. So um, I find that tents that have a little vestibule are helpful for this. So like where there's like a, almost a, like an entryway. So uh-huh. you stop in the entryway, get your shoes off, whatever you got to take off, then unzip, then jump in, then z- rezip. No time with the zip open. Mm-hmm. Um, the other critters, I have had the experience when I went with Jenna and we took the boys backpack camping and we slept in the wood or we slept in the dunes, sand dunes, but we hung our bag of food in the woods and animals still got to it. Like the raccoons are very Mm -hmm. smart and they're very cunning. Um, so that can become kind of a hassle if you're doing anything where you need to pack in food for several days, but, but you're really backwoods, um, and don't have access to like a lock box. Some, if you are like doing rustic camping, at a backcountry place that has sites that you reserve ahead of time, often they will have a box, like a metal box you can put your yes. stuff in. Yeah, um, for not Californians, we have lots of bears and mountain lions. So that, that's right. like, that's come standard with any yeah. campsite. I we think. don't have that everywhere around here. Um, even the places where there are bears, there's not always a place like given, like created for you <laughs> to put your stuff. So there's, I'm not going to go too much into that. There's lots of rules and things that you, you know, like guidelines to follow. I've never had a problem staying in a crowded campground. I think that the animals just, they kind of probably go for the easy pickings, like the trash people leave out or they stay away because there's too many people. I haven't personally ever had a problem where I'm like in a, like a busy campground and an animal tries to get in my tent or something. Like I've never had that happen. It's just to say it couldn't happen. It just hasn't happened to me. Um, But I will say I was a little freaked out when we stayed up north and I was thinking, okay, it's not the time of year. Bears are super hungry. And I wasn't in an area that's super, I mean, there's not like the UP of the upper peninsula of Michigan does have lots of black bears, um, which aren't as bold as grizzlies. Like there's like, you know, there's lots of different distinctions between different kinds of bears and the time of year um, and the area that we were in. However, I did lay in bed at night and think a couple times and think, what if, <laughs> like, what if there was a bear that just stumbled across the tent and like can smell my toothpaste? Like that's like that, that's the stuff that is really hard to think about. They can, they can smell everything. They smell your perfume, your toothpaste, you have shampoo that smells like fruit. They might think you sound delicious. Um, and then another little funny story, there was a garter snake that kept disappearing under our tent. And Eric, (laughs) Eric was like, how do you feel about snakes? And I said, you know, honestly, I'm kind of indifferent. Like I don't want one in bed with me, but I don't really, I was like, why are you asking? He's like, well, there's just one that's just been following me around and it like, it just keeps popping out. And it was one of those little black ones with the green, like the green stripe and the, I think like a greenish yellow belly maybe. So we looked it up and it was a garter snake and he just hung around us like the whole night. And so the last thing we saw was he disappeared under the tent. We went and checked. There was no way for a snake to get into the tent. Like it, unless we had left it unzipped, like there was no holes or rents yeah. or anything like that. But in the middle of the night, I had this weird moment where I woke up and thought, I just thought I felt something or like something Ugh. freaked me out. And I put my hand in my hair and 
you know, it was a small tent. Eric's hand was like kind of under my hair. And I grabbed his finger and tried to throw his finger across the room, like across the tent, <laughs> because I was convinced it was a snake yeah. in my hair. And just for a moment, then I woke up and I'm like, well, that was stupid. But I think I was right. just on high alert. So yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I am not a, I am not an expert in the area of critter safety. I will say it can be an annoyance. And I've, and I think it's one of those things. It's a really good idea to be on alert about. And just mm-hmm. to know your surroundings and know what you're supposed to do, especially if you're like out in a really rustic area. Um, but it hasn't been something that I've, I've just decided not to let it stop me. So, and I would think it would be the kind of thing where you would acquire these little stories and anecdotes like you're telling. And with, with practice and experience, you know, a little bit more what to expect and how to prepare and how to respond. And um, that's, what's so yeah. cool about people who really are knowledgeable about the wilderness is they can both be better prepared and better responsive if something happens, but they also know what's a true danger and what's not. Whereas those right. of us, like yeah. those of us who are city mice are like, Oh my gosh, bugs. You know, there's no like discriminating between like, well, that little snake's not going to harm us, but this one might. So I have right. a lot of respect for people who have done the work of acquiring that knowledge. And um, I was going to say with kids too, that I would think just basic first aid kit. Like it's not yeah. just like, the scary stuff like bears or snakes in your tent, but you know, somebody might right. get stung by a bee or like I've yeah. had kids with mosquito bites where the mosquito bite itself is like swells up way bigger than normal. So your Benadryl and your first aid kit and your, you know, pediatricians, nurses line, if you're concerned. So yeah. um, I'm sure all that is par for the course. And, and research your specific region because um, one, one example was when I went on my trip, that I went alone, um, up North. I didn't, I didn't backpack camp, but I hiked a lot alone. And then at night, a couple times I slept in like more, more rustic removed campsite. So like I was at a campground, but I might be a hundred feet from the next camper and I wasn't mm-hmm. like talking to them. So it wasn't the kind that we're all on top of each other that does, I think provide a little insulation from, um, critters. So mm-hmm. I was, I really wanted to know what I was doing. And I realized that all of the bear advice I had read on the internet up until then was about the wrong kind of bear. So like the way that you would deal with a site, like a grizzly sighting and the way you would deal with a black bear sighting is completely different. Like their motivators are different. Their behavior is different. So if you're reading advice and it's kind of generic and it's based on like California or Wyoming and you live in Vermont or Michigan, you might not be reading the right stuff. So I think it's just, it's wise to be really prepared and knowledgeable, but like have the right knowledge. That's not going to scare you too much or make you too confident. Um, and like your local, um, yes. rangers and things, people like that are the best resource. Cause they really that's know that's say. their job. Yes. 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 Awesome. Um, well let's talk about hygiene and in general, and you've been camping with a significant other, which, you know, now you're like, you know, want to be presentable. I don't know. Maybe you don't want to be presentable, but talk about hygiene, (laughs) keeping clean, like the feeling of being dirty. And then even stuff like when nature calls. Oh yes. Nature. It does like to call. So hygiene is something where if I'm going to be camping for like doing rustic camping, I don't really try that hard to stay clean. It, it almost is like you get to a part, a point where it's just better to just kind of marinate and go with it. Um, I have bought these huge, they're baby, they're basically like baby wipes. 
but they're like made for adults and they're made for they're you know a little um what's the word textured so they kind of can get dirt you know I don't like to go to bed with dirty feet and I don't you know I I know that when you're camping your feet aren't ever going to be totally clean and that's fine but I don't want to go to bed with like sand between my like crusted between my toes and soot from around the campsite and stuff like that all over my face so I do a wipe down and I change underwear at least once every 24 hours or so Mm -hmm. but there are times I will wear the same clothes like if it's a little chillier and I never get hot and never want to change out of you know maybe the leggings or sweats I wore to bed the night before I might stay in those the whole day and then throw a hoodie on the next night and just stay in that I might sleep in that hoodie um Mm -hmm. so unless I truly stunk I'm not too worried about it Sleeping at a campground's a little different because then you do have a shower. And so you have the opportunity to go get cleaned up, but it's a little bit misleading because you're going to go like take that shower and you're going to walk out feeling clean. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, you're going to be kind of dusty again. So I just don't really overthink it. I just try to make sure like I'm changing my socks and underwear regularly enough that I'm not going to get, I don't know, a trench foot or yeah. <laughs> like a UTI or something or yeast infection. And then um, just wipe down. And I just kind of let it go. And I will do things like if I know that I'm going to be camping in a place that doesn't have any shower facilities for several days and it's like hot and sticky weather, I'll try to figure out a way to go find a shower somewhere like truck stops. Mm -hmm. You can take showers. You can go to sometimes you can go to other campgrounds and like just pay to use their shower. Okay. Um, And there are lots of places um, where you can find facilities. People do it. There's something called um, my gosh, I think it's called boondocking. Okay. Uh, I'll have to look that up. But it's when people purposefully travel, say, in like their travel trailer, their RV, but they don't go to a campground and hook up anywhere. They just go to places they can park. And then sometimes you can go like find it's just like you park. You basically park and sleep mm-hmm. in whatever you're in. But then those people will find resources for getting. Clean. OK, so, yeah, um, you asked about nature calling. So I I am a big fan of just going in the woods. I don't mind using the bathroom in uh, a squat in a woods. Like that doesn't bother me at all. I do like to use toilet paper, even when it's just pee, um, which you can do. You just have to pack it out or you can buy the disposable stuff. If it's your own property, you can buy the um, biodegradable stuff and bury it. But like there's rules around that too. You can't do that if you don't have enough space. Like if you're not spread out enough or if there's too many people, you can't do that. And if you're staying on it, you know, campgrounds often are pack in, pack out. So anything you use, you have to take out with you when you go. There's no trash. So you want to be prepared for that. Um, it's kind of funny. I, so when it comes to pooping, when I am traveling in any way, my habits completely change. And I'm, you know, I'm a pretty regular person in real life, but it's like once my routines change, my yeah. digestion completely changes. And I am very able most of the time to like hold it until I can find a bathroom somewhere. Um, because for days, sometimes like a day, I mean, I wouldn't probably like, I wouldn't, if I have to go in the morning, I can't wait like a day or two to go, but I could say, okay, you know, it's morning. uh, You know, I'd usually be going right now, but I think I can put it off till we go to town. And so I've done that. Like I've had times where I'm just like, eh, it's not really worth it. Yeah. I can, I can poop in the woods. I've done it. Like I have a little (laughs) shovel, like a little fold up shovel and you like literally shovel a hole And there you go. But I've also, um, I've also just sometimes been like, you know what? We're 15 minutes from a Walmart and that Walmart's going to get my poop today. So that's (laughs) like what, and they're also going to get my business. I'm going to go in and, you know, buy a bottle of water or something. 
So that's the way I handle that. I know that's not for everybody. And it was kind of funny on this latest trip. Um, Eric is just much more, I don't know if he was concerned for my comfort or his own or what, but he got, he bought this kind of complicated rig and it was like a little ground cover with a, with like a tent, like a, a tent you could stand up in, but like a, a narrow tent and then a toilet seat um, that my brother said is the same kind of thing he used to carry around in the army. So they must've carried these like on long road marches. Okay. It was just a seat, like maybe 12 inches off the ground, like on a little stand. And then these biodegradable bags that you like hook onto the seat and then you're yeah. supposed to do your business in them. <laughs> I and saw it, a picture of this. So, so yes. I, I, I can picture and listeners, we, we can link or show a picture, but yeah. Like the tent was like tall and skinny, like a, sh- like a pop-up shower stall or yes. something. And I think that's actually what it's supposed to be. It was supposed to be a shower stall. So we have all this stuff to make it a shower too, but it, it was being used also as a place to have, you know, a private place to sit and go. I loved the toilet seat idea, but at the end of the day, the whole, t- I only used it once. It, it freaked me out so bad. I found it really gross. I did not like the idea of going in a bag at all. Then you got to deal with the bag. And honestly, oh, and then it rained and it got kind of damp inside. And like I was standing in a puddle, which creeped me out. And so I just eschewed it and just went in the woods. But Eric used it. He liked it. He liked the idea of like being covered and like more private and comfortable. And I, you know, I'm not saying I would never use it. I'm just saying it felt like in the end for me, it wasn't worth the effort. Yeah, I can see that. Um, Well, that's kind of a good um, segue to our last little topic here, which is buying gear. And throughout this whole conversation, you've mentioned several items that you've purchased or things that maybe you don't see the value of. And we'll link everything up and you have your blog post on meganfrancis.com. But do you have any remaining thoughts on gear, any products that really have been standouts or even maybe just general tips for when you're in this gear acquisition phase? Yeah, I... There is so much gear. I mean, there's so much. If you go into your like little local down small town outfitter, like I have here, you will be blown away by how much different stuff they can fit into a small, (laughs) small square footage. And then if you go into someplace like REI, it's just mind blowing. Um, I think it's a great idea to start small with the things that are really important. So for me, comfort is really key. Like I was willing to spend kind of a lot on hiking boots um, and a good backpack, because to me, those are things that like really are going to make me comfortable. Whereas mm-hmm. some of these other things that like, you know, are fun to use, but like, I'll, I don't need them. I might go cheaper on, for example, I didn't buy the brand name butane stove. I went with like an off brand name because it did the job. Maybe it's not as fancy as the jet boil, but it was cheaper. And I thought all I needed to do is make fire and make my water hot. I don't really need it to have a lot of other features. Now, someone else might say, no, I want to shave five ounces off of my packing, off my backpack. And so it's worth it to me to go with this different brand or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever that is. Um, There are just so many things you can buy. And I guess I I will link up that um, guide I put together. But but like, you know, if you're only going to be sleeping on the ground in the summer, or sorry, if you're only going to be sleeping in a campground out of the back of your car in the summer, you probably don't need like a $300 sleeping bag because right. all you yeah. need is something that, that covers you up and makes you, you know, you're probably gonna be hot anyway. 
So it's like you, mm-hmm. considering your needs is really important. Same thing with tents. I mean, there's very fancy tents that can be very, very expensive. Um, but your miles really are going to vary on how you are going to use those. So I, I don't know that that's even that helpful. I think when you, if you look at the blog post and see what I bought and why it makes, it might make more sense. Um, mm-hmm. there are places that have like gear rental programs. Um, oh, there's a website that does this. I wish I could remember the name of it. My sister told me about it. I'll find that too, because you can just rent stuff. So let's say you're oh, going to do good. like one camping trip ever, and you're just going to try it out and see if you like it. Maybe you rent the stuff, um, borrow from a friend. Like maybe there's something you can borrow. That's a, a big ticket item that you can borrow and then just, you know, um, try it out and see if you like it. And maybe then in the future, you might want to buy your own, uh, fire starter is a good thing to have. And those are the kind, that's the kind of thing that like, to, these are, they're little green sticks, or you can okay. also use, um, dryer lint to start fires. Oh. Um, it just helps. It's like a dry thing to help kind of get the fire going. Things oh, like that okay. sometimes that are cheap are just like so surprisingly useful and great. And then sometimes you spend, you know, a lot of money on a really fancy sleeping bag and you're like, why did I do that? So (laughs) the relative cost or fanciness doesn't necessarily mean the value is going to be there. Any tips about storing and putting away? I know we have to wrap up, but as I was listening to you and having um, helped Allegra pack and come home from some of her outdoor adventures, I'm realizing that this, the putting away and the storing of the stuff makes it way less awful to get it out again next time. And you're at the end of your camping season. So do you have any, like, any thoughts on that? So I have a, um, a weird shaped, uh, closet that is under a stair, like, like Harry Potter's bedroom, you know, like a little closet on the stairs. So it's like that, that slanty shape. And I use that for all my camping stuff. And I have open bins in there. They do have lids, but I don't put the lids on. And they're like a variety of depths and shapes. And so I've got them. I kind of did them like a puzzle. So they'd fit in, like there's four of them that fit like a little, like a little uh, collage, say, and then hooks. So the hooks are where all my backpacks and like day packs and th- like things with hangers on them go. And then I arrange things in the... um in the different bins. And I try to make it so that there's just one layer and that like goes with like, or size and shape goes with size and shape. So I have a deeper one where all the roll up things go like, so uh-huh. sleeping bags, um, tents, uh, the pads that roll up, those are all stacked up in there. So I can look down and see them all at once. Then mm-hmm. I've got one that's got my kitchen stuff in it. That one I kind of have to dig through a little bit cause it's just got more stuff in it, but it's kind of like that. And my second rule is the minute I get home, stuff gets put away. I do yeah. not wait. Do not yeah. tarry. Um, you will regret if you wait three days and then decide to start bringing stuff in from the car. And that's when stuff starts to get like left in the car. Yeah. You know, <laughs> or like, well, uh, and yeah. something that I can add, um, just on the managing the kids stuff, um, is that we decided to store everything, including travel toiletries, um, anything that wasn't going to like, I guess, get too hot or cold in the garage, anything that was like shelf stable. Yeah. After it was brought in, washed or laundered if it needed to be, or like her mess kit, her dishes washed, put it all back, even if it's stuff that I thought she might wear. Like she has a couple like lightweight fleece um, pullovers or like Mm -hmm. thick socks, things that like they're technically clothing that she could keep in her clothes in her room. But I I was like 99% of the time she's only going to use this when camping. So we decided to store everything like that together. And if you have little kids, I could see that working with things like sun hats. warm socks or like 
campground flip-flops or Crocs or something where like you don't even yeah. let them re-infiltrate the rest of the house if they're most of the time used for your adventures. I, you know, it's like ski stuff too. It's like then next time you get it out, it's not going to fit anybody. So that's a, that's a different problem. But my, what I don't like is having to go around the whole house looking for, you know, the one thing that she hasn't used since last time she went camping. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's why I personally keep my lid, keep the lids open. I'll use the lids because I take those bins sometimes when I camp and then I'll bring the mm-hmm. lids because it's nice to have something with a lid that you can leave out outside your tent in case it rains. Yeah. But um, I never put the lids on when they're in the house because to me, that's an extra step of like having to open it to see if yeah. stuff's in there yeah. or having to open it to put stuff away. I would just rather not. Yeah. yeah. Well, this was really fun and really helpful. I, um, I do have a goal to go camping with my little crew, so I will keep you posted on that. Maybe even this fall as the weather cools down and the tourists go home and hopefully if our fire situation stays safe this fall, maybe even soon. So thank you for all of the wonderful tips. I love that. And I want to get pictures of your adventure. Yeah, exactly. Well, listeners, we have another House Rules episode coming up on Tuesday. Man, these come up fast, but we're doing them once a month, um, and they have become a really pretty popular series in the last few months. So we are going to be doing House Rules all about kid hygiene, keeping your kids clean, uh, making those baths and showers mandatory on a certain frequency, how to you know stay ahead of the hair brushing and the hand washing. So uh, you all provided some amazing House Rules, and these episodes are our chance to sit back and let your genius ideas shine. So we will be doing that coming up on Tuesday. And Megan, this was fun. We'll talk to everybody soon. Talk soon. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hi everyone, Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening, and leave the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us, and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button, and then scroll all the way to the bottom, and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.